Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Euler and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24 7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Inside the Electric Factory, it's Euler and Motes. You were just hearing from head coach Mike Tomlin there. That was his weekly press conference availability. Of course, that all began yesterday on Tuesday with it being Patriots Week. Arthur Motes, 32 hours. Well, I guess minus 10 minutes. Yeah. So 31 hours and 50, 50 minutes, minutes until the <laughs> NFL season officially starts tomorrow night. Green Bay and the Bears, we are getting close. And with Coach Tomlin's press conference yesterday, uh, you know, I was down here, and that, that really kind of, it's like, all right, this is really happening now. Absolutely, man. We are officially on game week. It's officially time. And, man, I'm excited about it. This is what you want. This is what people have been waiting for all offseason. It's finally here. And what better matchup to start with than against, you know, the, the Patriots. Week one, New England Patriots. Just def- right into it. Defending Super Bowl champions, raising their sixth banner. Oh, all right the storylines. With you in their house, raising Absolutely. their sixth banner to join you as the only two franchises with six Super Bowls. Uh, it's certainly going to be a juiced one Absolutely, on Sunday man. night. And, and uh, let's dive right into it here. Yesterday, the the theme, if you will, I thought of Coach Tomlin's press conference was week one, the way you prepare, the way you get ready for things during week one is different than any other week mm-hmm. because it's the only week maybe of the regular season where you're still more focused on yourself than you are your opponent. You're still more worried about your own house as opposed to pointing out the flaws of your neighbor's yard. What is that like week one when it's, you know, it's, it's, it's everyone is zero and zero. It's a right. clean slate. Yes, you have tape on the Patriots from the past, and you right. know these guys, but it's still a new season with some different personnel. Granted, they haven't had a ton of turnover. Correct. But what's that like when, when Coach Tomlin talks about, like, we're still focused on our own house, we're still worried about ourselves week one. What is the difference like in that, you know, for week one compared to other weeks going forward? Yeah, man, it's a, a big difference. You talk about there being film on the Patriots. Yes, the third preseason game is the most realistic look, but just like any team doing the preseason, you typically don't tip your hand in terms of what you're trying to run, what type of specialty plays and things like that. You don't want to show that during the preseason, so you really don't even have the true idea. And sometimes personnel. You won't even know their real personnel because guys might play, guys might not play, the amount of time they play during the preseason. Obviously, you could look back to their Super Bowl uh, game and in this case it's more current than teams that didn't make the playoffs but at the end of the day it's still retrospect mm-hmm. it's not something that you know okay this just happened this past week this just happened a couple of days ago so you focus less on that and more so with this opening game you still have question marks you want to answer 
Who's going to be the guy at this position? Yes, we have you penciled in as the starter on the depth chart, but that could be for a, a myriad of reasons. Could be because you were on the team last year. Could be because the draft position. Could be because the contracts, whatever it may be. But in terms of knowing this guy is the guy, knowing that this guy is going to play this way, you don't know that right now. You still have guys who are learning and, and developing the playbook, learning and developing a rapport. You think about a player like James Washington. Mm-hmm. This is a big year for him. This is going to be his first opportunity in the regular season to do some of the things that we saw him do in the preseason, to show that he's officially taken that sophomore leap, to show that he's ready for the big stage. You think about Devin Bush. Even more questions with him because we've seen him play at a high level throughout the preseason, but we still have to see him do it for four quarters. We have to see him do it not only for four quarters, but versus NFL starting caliber talent because the preseason obviously is scaled differently is weighted differently due to the fact that starters don't play typically the whole games or they play a quarter or two here or a series or two here so now we're going to see what he plays like in those type of situations those type of circumstances so i think that's the biggest reason why that opening game you have to focus on yourself and your preparation how much of that too is just related to you need you need a, you know, whatever opponent you're going up against, you need a 2019 edition baseline for those guys, right? Like we've taught, we, I mentioned there when we started, it's not like the Patriots have had a ton of turnover. Right. Uh, the, the big names are still the big names, but at the same time, Rob Gronkowski's gone. Right. That's a huge part of the focal point of their, their offense, when, especially from a prep standpoint from your defensive side of the game. Uh, Trey Flowers, who was the kind of the, do-it-all guy on their right. defensive line last year, led the team in sacks. He's off to Detroit. Absolutely. So he's gone now, too. I think it'll be – it makes sense. It sounds weird to hear, you know, particularly when it's Steelers, Patriots, uh, we're just worried about ourselves. Right. It's week one, focusing on yourself versus focusing on your opponent. But when you put it that – when you put it so eloquently, it really starts <laughs> to make sense. I've got a couple more questions related to this right. for you, but I don't want us to have to rush – through all this. So when we come back, I, I want to talk about what it's like from a player standpoint mm-hmm. when you're focusing on yourself as opposed to preparing for an opponent and how this affects guys like Devin Bush. Absolutely. Uh, even a James Washington or a Dante Moncrief. And I got to get uh, your personal experience, uh-oh, too, uh-oh. Of, of the times that you played up there in <sighs> New England Man. in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium. A whole bunch of fun stuff today. It's Wednesday, so you know we'll have Best of the West Wednesday. Uh, a couple big groundbreaking contracts Absolutely. being announced in the last day or two Re- here. Record-breaking Record-breaking. One for a quarterback, one for a running back. We'll get into all of that. And also, there's a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers this year, particularly on the defensive side of the football, who are in a quote-unquote prove-it year. Absolutely. Their contract's running up at the end of the season. They have got to kind of sing for their supper this year in their future and their contract situation going forward. So of all those prove-it guys, who has the best year? Mm. Motes and I will get into all of that over the next two hours right here on your 24-7 home of the Black and Gold Steelers Nation Radio. This is where Steelers Nation plants its flag. And the place goes crazy! SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Focusing on yourself, week one versus your opponent. 
Uh, this is obviously something I don't have a ton of experience dealing with, but <laughs> thankfully my colleague has been there and done that for about a decade. Far too many times. <laughs> so what is that like, from a, just from a pure player standpoint, right. right, of when it isn't necessarily all about the opponent and we need to do this and we have to make sure we limit this and Absolutely. we can't let them do this and we have to make sure we're doing that. What is the difference there when, you know, preparing for – and maybe you could tell me too if it's kind of similar to that week two and week three if you start to scale back on it a little bit. But what's the difference in week one or, or you know, the first first two or so weeks right. compared to the rest of the season when you really are more so worried about your own execution as opposed to game planning and prepping for your right. opponents? Man, well, I think the biggest part is this. The self-scout element is always – going to be there throughout the season. Sure. Because you always have to make sure that you're growing and getting better. But in that first week, you have to dig down and figure out, okay, what did I do well in training camp? What didn't I do well? What did I do well in preseason games? What didn't I do well? What are some of the things that I need to focus on that I struggled with last year that's on film last year that I know teams are going to be looking to put me in similar situations? You're thinking about all that stuff. If you're the coaching staff, you're thinking to yourselves, what plays did we have success with this preseason? What plays did I like a lot during training camp that I want to implement this weekend? What stuff do I think is going to be too much? Because Maybe we still need some more time right, before we roll to this develop out. Them. Yeah. Yeah, and, and for a team like the Steelers who, got, who are going to have some young players playing in very prominent roles, you still have to figure that dynamic out of, Okay, how much can this guy handle from a mental capacity? What is what is too many plays, but what is not enough plays? You have to find that balance. You remember when uh, when Dick LeBeau was the coach here, the DC here, it was hard for younger players to play because that that defense was going to have fifty to sixty calls and variations off of all those calls. A lot of young players couldn't grasp that mentally, so you knew, okay, he's not ready for this yet. So these are all the things you have to factor in. Because you want guys playing fast. You want guys going out there and just being who they are, not thinking too much. So that's everything that you're going through this week right now. Okay, it's Wednesday. All right, let me put these calls in, uh, these base calls. Let me see who handles these base calls the best. Who is out here looking like they're thinking too much? Does this call look good versus that call? Does this call look good versus this offensive set? These are all the things you're trying to figure out this week. Whereas once you get to week three, week four, once teams have shown their identity, well, now you're scheming for particular plays. Now you're scheming for particular looks. But right now you're just trying to see from your your side of the ball, hey, does this work, period? Like, can we run this, period? Can we run this blitz crisp? Is this a blitz that people are going to continue to mess up with? Is the verbiage, is the verbiage right Mm -hmm. I remember distinctly, it was times where we would start out calling a call one thing on week one, but by the time we got to week four, we're realizing, hey, look, this isn't going to work. It's too close together, and it sounds too much like this. It's confusing or, everybody. Right, right. Yeah. And in the heat of the moment, of course, if you're in a room, a meeting room, a locker room, it's easy to say, hey, when I call dime rush one, that means you're going to rush, you're going to go to the A gap, and you're going to drop and cover now, when I say dime fire zone, dime rush fire zone, now you need to know that, okay, you got this and this, and instead of you rushing, you're dropping. Instead of you doing that, you're going there. Control comet is easy to, it's easy to remember. Now, we get out there on the field, and it's the heat of the battle, and you hear dime something. And there's 70,000 yeah. Patriots fans screaming. And in your mind, you're like, well, shoot. 
was that Don Rusher? Was that Don Firezone? Either way, I heard Dom, I'm just going to go. Or you got half the guys playing one thing, half the guys playing another thing. So this is all the stuff that you try to work out this first week, even that second week. You try to get those kinks out. You try to get that understanding of, okay, this is how we operate. Do we need to have hand signals associated with these? Like, what do we need to do to make it so our players feel the best about their situation? They feel the best while they're out there. That's what you're doing right now in this week one, week two time frame versus once you're later in the season, you already have those kinks ironed out. Now you're strictly just game planning, game planning these opponents. So it isn't just week one then, right? It'll be kind of a similar approach when the Seahawks are rolling into town next week. So you said it's about week three or four when that yeah. starts Tip- to change? Typically that first quarter of the season. I mean, obviously you split it up into four. Sure, sure. Four games is a, essentially a quarter over the 16-game season. So that's how you do it. That first quarter, though, it's a ton of self-scout, finding ways to get the kinks out. Just the operation standpoint of, okay, I make the call. I send the call in to you. How much time do I need to give you that call? Because it was games early on in the season where we felt that we weren't getting the call early enough, and that just came from the logistics of, all right, that means that the D.C., you have to operate a little bit faster. And those are things that you don't get in a practice setting because the time is controlled. But when you get in these games and it's hurry-up offense or is this and is that, that's when we implement it, okay, well, you got the guy giving the headset call, but we're also going to have a guy giving head signals. So if you're on the opposite end of the field and you can't hear the mic linebacker, you'll still be able to see the call. Hmm. And now you can relate to that, relay that to this person and so on and so on. But these are all things you had to get the kinks worked out of. So that's what you're doing right now. You're trying to figure out, okay, you're going through your head. If you're Coach Simon, if you're Randy Feekner, if you're Keith Butler, what can we do? What what can stress us out? What can put us in a bad situation? Okay, are they ready for the check system yet? Because we, they, you saw on film right now with the Steelers in the preseason, they didn't check any look. Any card that they had, they played it outright. Any look, any motion, they played it outright. This week, all that changes. This week, you check based on formations. You might check on personnel. If uh, James Devlin is on the field, okay, that could be an automatic blitz call. These are all things you're implementing right now. But throughout this week, you're going to work those kinks out. You're not going to be focused on, all right, man, we got to worry about New England, New England, New England. No, it's going to be, all right, are you guys capable of making this check? The back end, are y'all going to be able to, are y'all going to, be able to get that relay to the front? All right, who's making the check? Is it the linebacker? Is it going to be the safety? Who's making that? Who's in control of that? That's everything you're working on right now. Speaking of linebackers and safeties, there's a couple guys I want to ask you about. Let's stick with the linebackers there. Uh, I said that the big theme of Coach Tomlin's press conference yesterday was focusing on yourself, getting your own house in order week one as opposed to prepping for your opponent. Mm -hmm. How does this affect – and there was two, I should say, a little bit of hubbub, a little bit of fuss – over the depth chart that the Steelers yeah. had released, which if if you missed it, if you didn't see, Devin Bush is listed as the third interior linebacker. Yeah. Dante Moncrief listed as the second uh, wide receiver ahead of James Washington. Sean Davis, your starting safety. We'll get to all those guys here as we roll along, but I want to start with Devin Bush and how everything you just laid out affects a rookie, right? It, mm-hmm. it seems like there's a lot of crazy reaction out there in Steeler Nation, right? That, oh, what do you mean Devin Bush isn't going to be on the field for every single play in week one? But is that something that, one, maybe we shouldn't be 
surprised by that? And is it something that we should know and evaluate in our expectations of him that maybe wait a couple weeks before you're starting to to hand out report cards for, for the rookies and for Devin Bush in particular? Yeah, definitely, man. You can't hop and rush to judgment on these guys, especially when I like to think about Devin Bush, him being a rookie rookie, like not even though James Washington this is his second year, I still view him as a rookie because he hasn't played a lot of football yet. But with Devin, you have to understand first off the expectations for him, right? Because if you go out there and you're telling this rookie linebacker, I need you to be the starter day one, you're gonna go in here and play seventy snaps, you're in control, you you got the green down in your helmet, so you're making every call. Oh, and by the way, it's versus the Super Bowl defending champs, Tom Brady, at their place, prime time. That's a lot for him to think about. And then that doesn't even factor in the storyline of, oh, well, now if you're the media, you're going to ask him, well, how do you think Vince Williams feels? Because now you're the starter over sure. Vince. Vince was the starter before. How is he acting towards that? Now that's extra stuff he has to think about. So what you do, which I think was very smart, you don't list him as the starter. He knows he's going to play a lot. Everybody on that defense knows he's going to play a lot. But by putting him on that second spot, it takes a lot of the pressure off of him. He knows that now he just, hey, focus on getting better. Focus on your job. When you get out there, you're going to play your game and be fine. But he doesn't have to deal with all of the circus and the noise associated with him being listed as the starter on the depth chart. Right. And realistically, does it really matter? Because, okay, if Vince is the starter in base – but they come out in three wide receivers. You right. think Vince is going to be the starter for that right. game? No, right. it would have been Devin. And it's that simple. It's, it's that simple. And we're not saying that that's how it's going to be in the second half. Sure. We're not, it, it might not even be that way after the first quarter. First series. Absolutely. But for the sake of silencing the noise and the distractions, I could totally understand that. And another thing that I always think about with these younger players, and in particular the rookies like Devin Bush, you haven't seen them in an NFL stadium during the regular season yet. So granted, we're all banking on him playing well. We're all banking on him being composed. But we haven't seen it yet. When you think about James Washington, during the preseason he looked one way. During the regular season he looked totally different. It's real. It's a reality. When you're out there four quarters versus – NFL starting level uh, talent because it's different in the preseason you might have a couple starters out there but let's be real you're playing against backups and guys who essentially get cut so now you're out there playing against these pro bowlers these all pros for four quarters is it's a different element the pressure associated with that is different knowing that this counts this isn't Oh, man, you know, it's just the preseason. If we win, great. If we lose, ah, it's not that serious. No, this is where it counts. And we saw last year that every game matters, especially how you start. Because if they don't tie that first game, if they win it, they're in the playoffs. Playoffs. So all of that associated with it, man, is the reason why you try to take all that distraction away from a man and just kind of garner all of the, uh, the hype expectations around these younger players in particular. You think over or under 50% of the snaps, defensive snaps, mm -hmm. played for Devin Bush on Sunday night? Over. I Absolutely. think so, too. I think you list. 60-some percent? I, I put it like this. Honestly, if it's 70 plays, I think Mark Barron will play the lion's share of yes. those, probably all 70. Yes. 
I see Devin playing probably 50 of those yeah. plays, and then I think Vince gets the last 20. Okay. And this is the thing with New England that you have to think about. Opening up, even if they come out in a heavy personnel package, you know, two tight ends or a tight end, running back and a fullback, 21 personnel as we call it, that is going to equate to Vince being out there to start because it's a base package. Sure. But what New England likes to do, they're not going to just – line up in big people and run you. No, they'll line up in big people and then spread you out and make those guys have to cover. They'll make Vince have to cover. And then when you try to go with your smaller guys, now they want to run the ball. So that's what makes the Devin Bush aspect so unique because he has the versatility to do both. But I think early on, especially that opening series or even that second series, they're going to try to get Vince in some of those mismatches. And then I think... If they are having success, that's when you'll see them make that change with the Devin Bush to say, hey, just stay out there regardless of it because this is what they're trying to do. But until they know that that's what they're going to do 100%, you still ride with the veteran, especially when you're opening up on the road in New England. But all of those guys understand how this thing works. All of those guys understand how this thing is going to play out if they're having success, if they're trying to spread them out and throw the ball. Devin's going to be on that field. Euler Remotes, it's the Electric Factory, it's Steelers Blitz, so whatever, oh. you, whatever you want to call it, a reminder too. Uh-oh, talk to him. Because developing news this week on wow. Monday. We got a podcast now. We're, we're like official. Anywhere you find your podcast, you can find us. Just search Steelers Blitz. That's all you got to do. Uh, Apple, Google, all that good stuff, Spotify, wherever, wherever you get wherever. your podcasts. I guess this makes us officially official now. It's like... like you know, like on Facebook, where it's like, right, in a relationship, it's complicated, open. It's like, no, we're we're in a relationship now. Well, it's, it's legit. It's like a joke too. Like you're not friends in real life if you're not friends on Facebook, right? right like it's right. not official till it's Facebook right. official. Now, now we're like, it's almost like, official. yeah, like your your show's not official till you got a podcast right. feed. <laughs> Once you got the podcast, it's like, oh, okay, they're big time. <laughs> on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Dana chimes in here, not even the threat of a hurricane here in South Carolina will prevent me from enjoying my favorite Steelers program. We thank you, Dana, but Dana, stay, you're safe. A real one. stay safe down there. All Listen, right? man, Dana is dedicated. That's what makes the power grid so awesome. <laughs> that even through a storm, she's still tuning in. Still tuning in. Still finding a way. Hey, you got to find a way, right? Hey, man, that's all they say. Find a way. Doesn't matter how you get it done, just get it done. And the Steelers have not had a ton of success getting it done in New England as of late. I want to talk to Arthur Motes about playing in that stadium in Foxborough up there in New England and, and also get into some more of these discussions about uh, the Sean Davis situation and everything going wrong with him and the wide receiver positioning heading into Sunday night as well. We'll also go around the league, talk a little bit about these Jared Goff and Zeke Elliott massive Ooh. extensions before we get out of here. And it is a Best of the West Wednesday. Uh-oh. Today. Debut. We're going to be talking. Well, we did Best of the West Wednesday last no, week. No, 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 no. That wasn't regular season. That's true. This is regular season debut. Ooh. Come on, man. We're going to talk a little quarterbacks on there this we week's go. Best of the West. Talk about it. All that and more as we roll along. It's Euler Remotes on SNR. You're listening to SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. We deal with a lot of opinions here on the show, Mr. Motes. This is true. But women lie, men lie, and numbers do not, however... Are you sure about that? Yeah, Antonio Brown told me. He said those are just the factuals. (laughs) 
the factuals. All right, I like it. So let me throw some factuals at you. <laughs> let me hear these factuals, baby. The Steelers mm-hmm. in Foxborough. Oh, okay. So remember, in Foxborough, keyword against Tom Brady, not Matt Castle. Uh, okay, okay. Oh, so he's gonna take that one. Out. Okay, fair enough. Five and zero. Oh. Here's Tom Brady's record against the Steelers in Foxborough, mm-hmm. and this includes pre, uh, not preseason, post regular season and postseason. Yep. Five and zero. Oh. 18 touchdowns, zero, mm-hmm. that's Z-E-R-O, zero interceptions, uh-huh. mm-hmm. 72.2 completion percentage, and a 131.8 quarterback rating. Mm-hmm. Arthur Motes, you've been up there many a times. What makes Tom Brady and the Patriots so dang good at home? I think that everyone understands they aren't a team that beats themselves. They understand as long as they execute, a lot of teams find ways to beat themselves in terms of the missed tackles, the mental errors, the drop passes, the turnovers. New England hardly ever does those things, but not only do they do that at home, but they carry it over to the road, and I think that's why year in and year out they're very successful. They're always, I mean, obviously a well-coached team, but the talent that they have isn't necessarily mind-blowing. They have the right talent at the right positions. Obviously, you have the quarterback, which is the biggest part of it. But they just do a really good job of just executing their job, doing their assignment, sticking to their game plan. And people tend to have to adapt and play their game. And I also think the uh, the big element, too, in this conversation is the Brady factor. Sure. His patience, his consistency – His ability to just find ways to get the job done helps out a ton as well. And wait things out, too. Absolutely. A lot of people, they don't have patience, especially quarterbacks. They want to throw it deep. Not with Brady. I wonder if Tom Brady's a hunter. You know? Ah. He's such a patient dude. Like, can't you see him sitting out there in the woods for, for like, five hours, and then finally that deer walks by, and bang! And and not even even a random deer. It's like, no, it's got to be the perfect deer. Right. You're right. There's, like, three or four deer that walk past, but one, one. its antlers messed up, and the other one doesn't have as big of a rack as it should. Absolutely. Like, with him, he will throw 30 of these two- to three-yard passes, these swing passes. Dink and dunk you to death. and, And be completely content with that. Whereas a lot of these quarterbacks, they don't want to do that. They want air yards, baby. Absolutely. They want to have the 350 pass and the 405, uh, the 400 passing yards. That's what they want. But when you make a team have to take the short passes, they get greedy and they take the shot deep. Whereas with New England and Brady in particular, it's the opposite. He will dink and dunk and make you as a defender say, you know what, I'm tired of giving up that. I want to make a play, and now you're out of position. Now he takes the shot, and now he has you. Those are the things that make Brady – and make New England special in that regard because it's rare to have that type of patience. And how does that then in turn, because you've been on the defensive side of the football against that, uh, from a coach perspective, you know, a coordinator and coach perspective, and then from a player perspective too, how does that, man, it makes things more difficult in the sense from a defensive standpoint, right? It's like you're it's kind of lulling you to sleep in a sense. And then from an offensive standpoint too, right, it's almost like you get impatient and you try and make plays and go out there and grab the lead and grab the game yourself, and then they just wait for you to make one mistake and take Absolutely. advantage. I mean, from an offensive standpoint, the Steelers' offense, when you're facing the Patriots' defense, they make you play left-handed. They take, They say whatever your best weapon is, you're not going to have him beat us. He's not going to get the ball. 
we're going to make you beat us with your second or third best player. And every year, that's what they do defensively. Then from an offensive standpoint, they're patient. They will dink and dunk. They'll even run certain personnels out there just to wait until you go into the look that they want you in. And now they give you the hurry up. Now they're going to give you tempo. Now they're going to take a shot. Right. But they won't force that. They're going to wait. And if you think you're patient, they feel that they can outpatient you. <laughs> they, they're like, okay, you're, you're going to still play with these little people while I got big bodies out here? They'll well, just keep checking, I'll right? Just, I'll you just can keep, keep trying to up yeah. the ante or whatever you, you want to the do. Time. They're you just going to wait for the right hand. AFC Championship game last year. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're going to play small ball? We'll run it. We're going to run it until you put big body people out there. Keep it out of Mahomes' hands. Absolutely. And now that you want to change your personnel, now we'll throw it. It is the same thing against the Rams, too. Absolutely. They're they, all they game, and then all of a sudden, last drive of the game, they go downfield to Gronk. Right. That's what they do, and they're completely fine with it because they feel that if they execute and just stay patient, the opposing team is going to make a mistake. Or they'll get their opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. It's It really is, man. It is, it's just something so unique. I think a lot of times you hear from Steelers fans because there's always the comparison of New England and right. Pittsburgh, but not just from Steelers fans, from – a lot of teams, right, who are just starving for success. So, like, your Lions fans and your Browns fans and your Bengals fans, yes. a lot of times you'll hear from those type of fan bases, well, why can't we just do what the Patriots do? <laughs> but if everybody would do that if right. they could. It's it's a perfect storm of a quarterback who buys in completely to everything that his right. head coach is selling. It's, it's a, a team that... Again, when your quarterback, when your best player, when the only player in NFL history to ever have six rings is buying into all right. this, how are you not going the to? Tri- the trickle-down effect. Right. When he shows up. He's the first guy in the building, last one to leave. He sits in the front row. He's taking notes as if he's an undrafted rookie free agent, first year ever. That's contagious. You're saying, man, this is arguably the greatest player that we've ever seen play this game sure fire first ballot hall of Famer. right so when you're thinking about all that you're saying to yourself if he's working like that i have to work like that or harder or hard right there's no excuse (laughs) yeah does does he you think he carries around the draft card with him just 24 7 it wouldn't surprise me (laughs) you think he like has it laminated inside of his playbook like round six all i I know is this man james harrison was one of the guys that you were never going to beat him in the building First guy in, last guy His work ethic was crazy. I'll never forget him calling me, telling me that, man, every time I come in this building, Brady is already here. I don't know if this guy sleeps here, but he's always (laughs) here. Is he a clot in the back? What's going on? Always here. He's like, he's always watching film. He's always doing something to get better. He's never just joking around about stuff that doesn't matter. It's almost like he's just obsessed with being great. Oh, yeah, I don't think he ever has fun. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I don't think he ever eats anything other than wheatgrass. Come on, man. T- and, TB12 dad, man. You fo- know how he does it. Get, get your TB12 on, man. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. I wanted to – one thing that I think is a little – and, hey, we've still got – there's still, you know. Come few, on, man. we got a few time. days until kickoff here. Yeah. But it is Wednesday, so we are, you know, we're now three days into this week, into this cycle right. of Patriots week. And there is one storyline, Arthur Motes, that I think is going a little under-discussed. Uh-oh, let's talk about it. It's the health of Sean Davis. Ah, yes, indeed. We already know that things are a little thin at the safety position. And certainly the emergence of Cam Kelly has helped calm down some of those concerns. Yes, indeed. Uh, but I, you haven't seen SD practice yet this week. 
you and I have talked about how important that back end is for the Steelers this year, particularly in terms of playmaking. And you've got SD and Edmonds really coming into their own. And yeah. Sean Davis last year was finally nailed down to one position. And you hope those guys have built up some camaraderie. And I'm nervous about this. And it seems like if you take some of his teammates' quotes into account, they – whether it's lip service or not, or confident he's going to be available Sunday. But is this something you're concerned about, or am I by myself here? If he doesn't practice Thursday. Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Then I'm concerned. Right now, they had a bonus day on Monday. They did. Today is Wednesday. If he's not out there Thursday, that's when I'm concerned. I believe that if he's healthy and he's out there Thursday, then he's good to go. Because when you wait till Friday, it's just a lot – that goes into that in terms of, okay, he wasn't healthy enough to go any other day but this last day before the game. He wasn't able to get the Wednesday game, the Wednesday practice reps, the Thursday practice reps. Mm-hmm. And for Sean Davis, granted, he's been in the league for a couple of years now, but this is only his second year at this position. Right. He was, he was moved around a lot. Absolutely. So for me, he's still young. He still needs those reps. It's not Ben we're talking about. It's not um, – Cam Hayward we're talking about, or Joe Hayden. With Sean Davis, he's still young in that regard, so I want him out there getting those reps, getting the communication that we talked about. We didn't see him and Edmonds together at all in the preseason. Right, so you have to have that communication. How do they communicate amongst themselves? Because it's different between communicating with the whole defense, which you have to do for your calls, whatever coverage you're in, whatever the blitz is, but you also have to communicate with that other safety because you have to be on a string. If I'm showing low, you have to show high. If we're showing two high safeties but we're going to cover three, okay, how do we want to hold this look? Okay, at what point do we want to break it? Because if we're not in unison, then we tip our hand. And we're you're going against Tom Brady. He's seen every look. So if your disguise is not exact, then he's going to undress you prior to the snap. And if he knows what coverage you're in before the ball snaps, you do not stand a chance. So those are the things that make me a little concerned about that. But as long as Sean Davis is out there tomorrow for practice, I'll be fine. He is uh, a guy who needs to be out there in game action, you know, doesn't want to be missing a ton of time this year. He is a guy who's on the last year of his contract. Have a lot has a lot to do, man. Has a, a lot, lot at, a lot at stake, a lot of uh, desire to put some good tape, get some good film out there this season. And this is something you and I have talked about. The Steelers' defense has a uh, has a handful of those uh, going-to-be-free-agents, prove-it guys, contract-year-type guys. So I want to ask you when we return, Arthur Motes, of all those guys, who has the biggest year? Sean Davis, Javon Hargrave, Bud Dupree, Artie Burns. Absolutely. All those guys are in a quote-unquote prove-it year. Who has the best year? We'll get into that. When we return, we'll also get to a little bit more of your reaction on Twitter, at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. And it's a Wednesday. Uh-oh. You know what that means. It's a best of the West Wednesday. Regular season debut. We're going to talk a little quarterbacks before we get out of here. One of them just signed a massive deal, as did Ezekiel Elliott. So uh, the market... Adapting, changing, growing for quarterbacks yeah, very true. and running backs. We will get into all of that in the second hour of the show as well. Euler Emotes, it's Steelers Blitz. It's the Electric Factory, and it's here on SNR. 
This is where Steelers Nation plants its flag. Hello, my friends. This is Craig Wolfley. You're listening to SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Arthur Motes, this is a situation that I know you have dealt with. Uh Uh-oh. Playing out a contract in its last year with no guarantees, no extension going forward. This is a uh, a yearly occurrence in the National Football League, certainly. But when you and I were kind of laying out the show for the week and and kicking around some topics, it stuck out how many big names, substantial names, guys that have been around for a while – uh, that are going to be playing through their last year of their Steelers contract without an extension in place, with no guarantees about their future in the black and gold in place, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the football. Right. Artie Burns, Bud Dupree, Sean Davis, Javon Hargrave, four starters. Well, I guess Artie Burns not a starter, but three starters and a, a first-round pick there as well, too. Uh, Tyler Medikevich, B.J. Finney, Xavier Grimble, Matt Filer, Mike Hilton, a, a whole lot of guys who could or could not be Pittsburgh Steelers next year. But the right. four that I want to focus on, or maybe even really just three, Sean Davis, Javon Hargrave, and Bud Dupree, the three starters. And I guess we can bring Artie into this conversation as well, too. Who do you think – Let's we could take this conversation two separate ways, right? Who needs to have the biggest year? For you know, for for the rest of their career going forward, correct. Who you think is going to actually have the biggest year for the Steelers this season? So let's start there. Uh, of the prove it guys, you know, again, particularly on defense, who has the best season? Who puts themselves in the best spot to receive a big contract, whether it be from the Steelers or elsewhere? Yeah, man. In this situation, I do think it's Bud Dupree that ultimately puts himself in that best situation going forward, and here's why. When you look at Artie Burns' situation, he's essentially the third or fourth corner that's going to come into the game. So from an opportunity standpoint, I don't think he's going to get the amount of time on the field that would warrant that nice contract. When we talk about Sean Davis, I think Sean Davis – Barring, I mean, if he can be healthy and stuff like that, I think that he has a great opportunity. But on the back end, you still have to wait almost for something to come your way. You can't just go out there and say, you know, I'm about to make a play right now. If the ball's on the other side of the field, you can't really affect it. Sure. If it's a run play, you can make the tackle. You're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars right, and they're only throwing the really ball 20 them. times. Yeah. Right. And with Javon Hargrave, a similar situation just depending on the fronts that they're in. If they're in base, then great. But if they're going with some of the nickel package, the nickel packages and stuff like that, where they're only using four down linemen, you're assuming that Tuit and Cam Hayward are going to be your interior rushers. So now he's not getting the amount of snaps that he would like sure. in order to warrant that bigger contract. Whereas with Bud, he's going to see 90% of those snaps at outside linebacker. He's going to be able to create stuff in the passing game, sacks. Everyone understands that when you're structuring a defense, typically your pass rusher is the highest paid because he is the game changer. He's the guy that no matter what's going on, he can make an immediate impact. So for Bud, 
understanding these things and understanding also that the way the defense is set up with him being opposite T.J. Watt, who's going to garner a ton of attention, sure. with him having Cam Hayward and Stephon Tewitt on the inside, we're going to garner a ton of attention. Now with the and hopefully a Devin Bush or a Mark right. Barron, absolutely. So when we talk about those guys, they can cover now. So now he's going to have more time to operate. He's the guy that's going to have the most favorable matchup. Now, granted, he's going against the best offensive lineman, being that it's going to be the left tackles, but he is going to have the opportunity to do what he needs to do. He's going to have the best chance to put up numbers. And for the pass rushers, if he gets ten or more. That's that's going to price him oh. in something ridiculous. He will definitely not be a Pittsburgh Steeler next right. year. We're, we're, we're hoping that he gets those double digits. But worst case, say he gets seven or eight sacks. That's he's probably still, still getting a he's lucrative still offer get from somebody. paid yeah. nicely. And I think that's why, for me, I think he's going to be the prove-it guy who has the most success in this situation just because it's set up perfectly for him. Now, just going back on that mindset, though, and that mentality – of playing yeah, that. you've been there. Absolutely. I've done it three times now. It's it's a different type of animal, man. I've handled it, I feel like, good two times, and I handled it not so good one time. <laughs> well, hey, that's a better. You handled it well more, <laughs> right. to, more often than you handled it poorly. Yeah, so I, I'll never forget, man. My first time going through it was my fourth year in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Playing on my rookie contract. Just hit an escalator on my contract, so I had uh, a very substantial pay raise. But I remember that whole season. I'm looking at everybody else who just got paid, and I'm like, man, what were their numbers? So every week I'm trying to match and match, and if I didn't get an X amount of tackles, I was like, oh, man, I just it would mess up my mood. And then when you're in the games, you feel like you're pressing sometimes sure, because you feel like I have to do this. I have to get this number. I got to put something on film or on right. the stat sheet. Yeah. And those are things that I felt like really made that situation almost miserable. And it affected my overall productivity because now instead of just being the person that you are and playing your game, you're focusing on the wrong things when you're on the field. If you don't make the play and somebody else does, you're not even happy because you're like, man, I needed that. Whereas when I went through it my first year here in Pittsburgh when I was on my one-year deal, that mentality was totally different. That was just go ahead and play your game. Now, granted, I had switched positions, and Buffalo was playing inside linebacker, so you really felt the sense of urgency of, man, I have to – get a ton of tackles. Ta- I need a lot an interception of tackles, because yeah. they don't pay linebackers like that, not interior guys. Whereas when I was here and I was outside rusher, I'm like, well, look, worst sacks. case, I can go get me a sack right now. I can get a sack. Well, you get two sacks, you're feeling it's a totally different mindset. So for me, this time when I went through it in Pittsburgh, that first go around in Pittsburgh, I was way more relaxed. I just focused on playing my game, and it worked out great. Got the nice contract extension. Then the last time I went through it was my last year here in Pittsburgh. And that situation is similar to how Artie's was. I knew going in that I wasn't, barring injury, I wasn't going to get those opportunities out there. So I knew, okay, whenever I did get my number called, go out there and produce. Now, granted, I didn't get those opportunities from a defensive standpoint just because TJ stayed healthy, Bud stayed healthy. Even did early you still on, have Jarvis Jones on the roster no, at so that point? Jarvis too, or was, was he gone? gone but okay. it was, uh, we had James Harrison for, what, the first 10 right. weeks. And That's then right. we had Anthony Chicklow as well, who was emerging at the time. So I knew going in that, okay, my role was going to be more special teams-based and more of the leadership role. And you just have to understand that, especially at that stage of my career. But I just remember the mindset those two times in Pittsburgh versus that last year in Buffalo. 
and how both of those I felt were still successful for me in terms of, granted, I didn't get the extension that last year in Pittsburgh, but I was still able to go sign in Arizona. Whereas if I would have handled it differently, who knows if that opportunity arises. And that pertains more so to Artie because he's not going to get these opportunities right away. Like I said, barring he's injury, gonna have to wait his he's going to have to wait. He's going to have to be patient, and he's going to have to understand that, hey, even if I'm not getting these game opportunities, make sure I'm getting these reps. Make sure in practice, go get those scout team reps. Line up versus Juju. Line up versus the one offense and prove that you got it. And that's what I would do. And like you said, too, you talked about this a little bit on Monday, almost like you're in the batter's box, right? Yeah. Like, Artie's got to be in the batter's box all season. Absolutely. He's got to be standing on the sideline with his helmet in his hand, ready to, ready to go. Watching everything. Here's, okay, if I was out there, here's how I would have reacted. Absolutely. Here's, the, here's, what, here's how the offense is trying to scheme our defense. Here's what we're, he's got to be the guy that's in the batter's box that's sitting there with a donut on his back, yeah. just waiting for his turn to come up to the plate. And when you come, you have to be instant productivity. Yep. you got to be a pinch hitter who comes in yeah. and, and slaps a double off the wall. Absolutely. You don't get a chance to warm up to it. You don't know how many plays you're going to get and you don't know how long your leash is because you you coming in as the backup you don't get the same leeway or the same benefit of the doubt that the veteran or that the starter gets so you have to be in the lab and that was the one thing that I focused on okay if I'm not going to get these starting reps in practice Okay, the reps that I do get with the defense, okay, great. But I'm going to go over here and take every scout team rep. So that way it does two things. Number one, it shows this team that, okay, if this guy's giving us problems making plays like this in practice on the number one offense, then he still has it. And number two, it made me stay sharp. It made me keep developing. Because if you just sit around and say, oh, let the younger guys, let the practice squad guys get those reps, well, then how are you sharpening your sword? How are you going to get better? How are you going to continue to adapt and evolve? And when your number gets called, how are you going to be comfortable going out there? You're just sitting there working on your office hands if right. you're not doing anything. Absolutely. So those are the things that you would mentally, that I would mentally do to make sure that I stayed engaged and to make sure that whenever my number got called, I was ready to go. And it could happen either way for Artie. So I was in that situation both times I was here in Pittsburgh. The last year here, it didn't work out, but the first year, it did. In the first year, the first two games, I played four snaps total behind Jarvis Jones and Jason Worlds. And it was easy to say, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to practice. I don't want to prepare. Absolutely. But what happens? Third game, Carolina Panthers, Jarvis goes down. Now you're the guy. Now instead of you taking two reps, you're taking 50 reps. Were you prepared? Did you Make sure that you were mentally engaged. Did you make sure that you physically were ready to take on that workload? And that's what Artie has to make sure that he's prepared to do in order to step up and whenever his number is called, produce and and hopefully be a guy that gets an extension. Or if not here, be a guy that gets paid somewhere else. With that mindset that these guys are, are all in this year, to, to different degrees and right. different situations, but in that, again, contract expires at the end of this season mindset. For you personally, and maybe you can speak to, I'm sure you've had discussions with other guys about this as well too. Like, So when you were in your last year with the Bills, right, mm-hmm. and, and and you were talking about all that that's going through your mind and wanting to stuff the stat sheet and making sure you're getting tackles, adding some interceptions, in the back of your mind, is it like, all right, I want to make these plays, I want to put this work, I want to get this good stuff on film so that I can take a big contract somewhere else and show these guys that they're wrong? Or is it more so... You know, I, I want to prove that they can't go on without me. Like, is there is there a 
splitting there of the desire to stay with the current team or I want to show myself off like you know like you're on the market right, like right. it's your it's, <laughs> like you're posting thirst traps on oh, your Instagram man. page <laughs> are you are you wanting to have success more to prove your current team wrong or to hopefully stay with them I think it depends on the player's situation if we're talking Javon Hargrave I think he wants to prove that you should give him the extension here. If you're already Burns or Bud Dupree, who they didn't pick up the fifth-year option, well, now they feel disrespected. They want to prove that, hey, I'm going to show you that I'm going to get the big deal somewhere else, and I'm going to make you guys eat your words every day when I go out here and produce double-digit sacks, or I go out here and I get five interceptions. That's the different mentality. Now, not saying that that's what they feel in particular, but just – what you've seen, from what your I've seen through all my yeah. experiences, that's typically how it is. For the guys who have been here and they had the chance to get a fifth year option, or they came and negotiated with them before the season, but they didn't want to pay them what they felt they deserved. They're offering them ten million when they feel that they are worth twenty million. The team is saying, Well, hey, you haven't given me twenty million dollar productivity and that player is saying, Well, look, I know what I'm worth. I'm gonna bet on myself. I'm gonna go out here and produce and I'm going to get that 20 million from somebody else, and you're going to regret this. That's what I've seen in my in my travels. <laughs> I like it. I, I want to ask you here real quick here before we go to break. All right, you know I do this with you sometimes. I ask you to pull out your crystal ball. Yeah, man. And, and I like at, it. And look into the future, peer into the future. So Sean Davis, Javon Hargrave, Bud Dupree, and Artie Burns. Mm. Who stays? Who goes? Are they mm. are they all gone? After this season, and as it stands right now, in your opinion, uh, like I would think Hargrave and Sean Davis have a chance. I, I Maybe just Sean Davis. Honestly, if I'm saying who stays, who goes right now, yeah. Bud definitely gone. I think Artie definitely gone. Hargrave maybe. Sean Davis I would give the best chance of staying. Yeah. But I think if you're asking me to put money, I think all four are probably gone at the end of the year. I think Sean Davis stays. He's got the best chance. He has the best chance because this is the thing that you have to realize. The reality of the situation with Bud Dupree is we're expecting him to – I'm personally expecting him to have a big year. Anywhere from 8 to 10 sacks, 11 sacks, that's going to price him out of the Steelers market. And that's just the reality of the situation. Pass rushers in this league – get paid and even if you haven't been the most consistent if you put up numbers teams will overpay for you because of that particular position it's a premium on it we always we always say for every sack it's equivalent of a million dollars so if you go out here and you get you know seven eight sacks well you're gonna get paid very nicely and a lot of teams covet that a lot of teams want that but they don't have it so when you are able to show that and hit the market, well, then, yeah, teams play big for you. And I think that situation with Bud Dupree. With Artie, I I just don't feel that he's going to get the opportunities this year, like I said, barring injury. And if that happens, I think the Steelers do let him walk because they've shored up that position group a lot more. And with that, if you're Artie, are you going to want to come back on a very cheap, probably – Team-friendly. Right. Yeah. Almost vet minimum type deal. 
or are you going to want to try to take a chance somewhere else? If you got to take a vet minimum deal, would you rather stay here and do it, or would you rather go somewhere else where you know you're going to get a fair crack at it? Clean slate, maybe right. more of an opportunity. So that's kind of the thing that I think with uh, with Artie. When we talk about Javon Hargrave, I personally think he priced himself out. I think he goes out here and has another season where he gets five, six sacks, continues to be dominant in the run game. I think that, yeah, the, the Steelers won't have enough to pay him, especially – when you think about T.J. Watt coming up, when right. you think about Juju coming right. up, when you think about James Conner coming right. up, essentially all three of those guys come up in the same year. And in that same year, Cam Hayward as well, too. Absolutely. So those are big-time options that you're going to have to talk. You're definitely going to have to take care of them. Also, let's see, on the offensive side of the ball, you have Matt Filer. Mm-hmm. He's another guy. He That's plays your well. Starting offensive lineman. He he plays well this year. Now he's in the conversation for a uh, contract extension because now he's on a one year essentially prove it deal. Sure. So now you got to take care of him. Speaking of those offensive guys, I, I want to transition here. You always want to talk offensive guys, man. You always cut the defensive conversation short. That's false. Come on. Gosh, I can't believe you, man. I took an oath that when I got on the microphone, I was only talking defense. <laughs> And you're making me break this over time and time again. Well, hey, it is Pittsburgh. We like to talk about the defense of the steel curtain, but it's Wednesday. You're right, you're right, you're right. Best of the West Wednesday. You're right. I digress. We're going to talk a little quarterbacks when we come back. And if you know anything about when Arthur Motes and I talk quarterbacks, Uh it usually gets a little heated. This is true. (laughs) So don't go anywhere if you want to chime in on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52 Best of the West Wednesday talking quarterbacks when we return on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio. You're listening to SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold SNR. It's a best of the West Wednesday, one of our oldest staples here on the program. You know, before you came along and I was just flying solo. I know, man. When you were just big time. I had to, like, find things. You know, I just, I, I was like, oh, man, I could really use Arthur Motes to talk oh, with me. Oh, no, we don't have you do that. We haven't been introduced, so i got to find things to get me through these shows. So one of the first that I ever came up with was best of the West Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. I used to call it um, the Steelers Blitz Hierarchy. Oh. Right, and I told you this, and then somebody right, right. tweeted me. Colin Cowherd does his lists, and he calls them the herd hierarchy. Because he was copying you, we all know this. Right, right. Clearly, he was copying me, but I didn't want to get accused of copying him. Right, right. So Joe Rokicki, producer of the DVE Morning Show, awesome last name by the way. It is a great last name. He uh, he said he like heard me talking about this, and he goes, well, "Why don't you go with Best of the West?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "That's pretty good." So Best of the West, when we get into the season, is the top ten teams in the National Football League. Right. But we did that last week. We did. And there hasn't really been any games or any money. And you've had a little roster changes and things like that. But I thought it would be better at this point before we get into that going forward for the season. One of the things that you and I split hairs the most on, quarterback conversation. So here's what we're doing today for Best of the West Wednesday. All right. right, Let's talk about it. Best quarterbacks in the National Football League. A month ago, Andrew Luck. <laughs> yeah. No? Well, Andrew Luck would have been high on my list Jeez. if we would have made this. He'd probably, been, he'd probably been top three on my list yeah. a month ago if we would have made this. So for this year, right, mm-hmm. for 2019, I'm giving you my top ten list of quarterbacks that I would want. Ooh. So this is just for this year. Important to remember that. This is not like Madden style. Okay, I'm building okay. a franchise for the next 12 years. Just for this year. For this year. And I'm assuming we're getting them at their absolute best. So that means – we're not worried about them playing bad, correct? This is no. This is again. This is just if I could have 
any quarterback for this year okay. to start a team around. Okay. One year. All right. This is all things considered. All right. You know, their age, their health status. I'm cons- This they're, is not sunshine. They're, they're clutch gene, this all that. This is not sun. This is all considered. This I'm is- just trying to make sure you're not going to tell me Matt Ryan is your number one quarterback. That's- no, 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 okay, no, no, no. we're good. He's then. on my list, but he's, he's, he's very, very much towards the back That's end. all I'm worried about. Okay, we're good. So, and, and you know, as I like to do, I like to do this a little usual. People at these lists, they like to start the back. I like to start the front. Oh, man, let's Arthur Motes, in the year of our Lord, 2019. If I could have one quarterback to start a team with, uh-huh. it's the man who's been a little bit forgotten in these conversations. Mm, okay. Two years ago, he was in goat talk. Mm. And everyone's about to get a reminder this year. Aaron Rodgers is number one on my list. Okay, okay. A.A. Ryan, I can respect that. Listen, two years ago, there's a reason why a guy that only had one Super Bowl ring and one Super Bowl appearance was being talked about with Brady and Montana and Manning, and all these guys who had multiple Super Bowls and multiple Super Bowl appearances, uh-huh. Aaron Rodgers, okay, the most talented quarterback we've ever seen, not the best, not the greatest, but the most talented quarterback we've ever seen, Aaron Rodgers is number one on my list. Okay. Number two. Okay. Uh, another guy who is starting to get along that same kind of cloth, that same kind of uh, ton of talent. He's really young. <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh-oh. Big arm. Uh-huh. Patrick Mahomes. Ah, yeah. Pat Mahomes. Only two guys have ever thrown for 50 touchdowns in a National Football League season, and he did it in his first year ever as a starter. Ever. I would expect him statistically to take a bit of a step back this Why year. Why can't he take a step forward? Well, I think a full <laughs> oh, season a full season without Kareem Hunt <laughs> will hurt. But I, now he has Shady McCoy. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Out there, man. You know those pit, who, who, those pit guys. Listen, better, you saw Ben DiNucci coming to your, your JMU group. You know, hey, he looked good. Adding pit guys doesn't always help. Hey, he looked good for you guys. <laughs> tell you that. Patrick Mahomes, number two on my list. All right, number three. Hey, geez, I had to do this. I would have liked to put him down at like seven just to get you going. Uh-oh. But it's your boy, Tom Brady. My boy. <laughs> All right, tomorrow on the show, Moats and I are going to oh, talk wow. a little bit about the age of the Patriots, their core, particularly on defense, and when that one of these days will kind of catch up to them. But for now. All I'm saying is. I mean, Tom Brady's still Tom Brady. Some of the stuff has fallen off in terms of the stats and maybe some of the arm strength and things like that, but he still knows how to win All I know better than famous, anybody. A famous philosopher said age isn't nothing but a number. That's it, man. Who was that famous philosopher? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> no comments. So Aaron Rodgers, number one. Patrick Mahomes, number two. Tom Brady, number three. Number four. For the first time ever in my life last year, uh-huh. I thought – I would take this guy, again, and I'm talking short sample size here, not what they've accomplished throughout their careers, not if I could have them both when they were 22 years old, but right now I've got Phillip Rivers number four. I was really impressed with what he did last year. I think that's only going to continue. Is this this playoffs included? Now, this is just to start. So remember, this this isn't necessarily Phillip Rivers playing for the Chargers. I'm just saying. I'm I'm building a team. Last year, Phillip Rivers in the playoffs. That's all I'm asking. Is is that that same Phillip we're talking about? I mean, I guess, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. I guess. Week one of the playoffs. And I week one of the playoffs, who went into Baltimore okay. with a victory. <laughs> okay. Now, we're, not, we're going to forget week two. I 
Yeah. <laughs> but again, though, I, I, what are we talking about just, here? I'm, all right, all right, all right. I'm with you. I like A this. lot of these quarterbacks on this list, if we're judging off oh, of how they man. performed against the Patriots, we'd have oh. them pretty far down. Except, except number two on that list, number two on that list. Well, that's true, but he still lost to him. Mm. And it's another quarterback that looked pretty good versus them that I haven't seen yet, so – a, co- a quarterback who looked good against the Patriots last year, looked good against the Patriots the prior year, uh-huh. I think has had a much better career than Phillip Rivers. Uh-huh. But right now I've got him at number five is the hometown guy, number okay. seven. Ben, I thought you were saying Eli Manning. I got nervous for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Eli Manning wouldn't even be number one on his own team for guys that I'd want right now. So top five, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. Yes. Number six, a guy that I could have had much higher – if this were a conversation long term, I would have had much higher. But again, this is only for this season right yeah. now. Russell Wilson. Mm, okay. Number six. Uh, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there saying, well, what about the quarterback down in New Orleans? What are you talking about? I've got Drew Brees at number seven. Whew. Drew Brees is still elite. Uh, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer without a doubt. But if you just look at the numbers. Again, I told you guys, look at the factuals. Ooh. Remember the factuals, Motsi. They say that the, the stats for two straight, tell, a, tell a part of it. For two straight years, that Saints team has, has run the ball more and more, thrown the ball uh-huh. less and less, and I would expect that to kind of continue. You've seen that with the Patriots as well, too. But you got Tom at number three. I do, because again, he's just, I mean, just until he stops winning, how could I, if I would have had him any lower than number three, you might have walked out of here on me, because I know you got him at number one on your list. Stop it, come on man, let's do this. I've got Breeze at seven, okay? okay? And then that's maybe where I would draw the line of, okay, I feel really comfortable about those six. Yeah. And I would have had Andrew Luck in that group as well, too. He would have been pretty high on my list. And now you got Jacoby Brissett, Top correct? three or four. I like this. Number eight, another one of Arthur Motes' boys, Carson Wentz. Oh man, Carson Wentz. I think he's a oh, good, he's a good bet to throw on to get some MVP consideration oh, this year, along man. with Ben Roethlisberger. I think those are my two dark horse MVP candidates. Okay, Ben and Carson Wentz, one of the best offensive lines in football. Ton of good wide receivers, not a stud at running back, but a nice stable there as well too, and a a coach that is an offensive mind in Doug Peterson that knows how to get the best out of that unit. Yeah. Give me Carson Wentz at number eight, number nine, another one of your boys, Matt Ryan. Oh, I know. And just listen, when I was oh. going through this list, the fact that I had to put Matt Ryan in the top ten make me a little. Oh, mm, I don't know ah. how I feel about this, but I've got Matt Ryan at number ten, or at number nine, pardon me, and at number ten. Rounding out the list of the quarterbacks I would want right now at you this moment. Say Dak. Deshaun Watson. Oh, okay. There we go. I can live with that. Okay. And then my next two off the board were Jared Goff or I even put Baker Mayfield on there. But again, I this is a right now conversation, and so I'm not supposed to take that dirty P word, that potential yeah. word, into this. So my top ten, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger at five. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and Deshaun Watson. Professor Motes, your critiques. <sighs> All right, okay. Um, it's hard to argue with Aaron Rodgers at one. Even the injuries that he sustained, he still has always played at a high level. Now, granted, I do think that the conversation about him being the GOAT at that particular junction two or three years ago I think was a little premature, especially – when comparing him to a Tom Brady who's done it forever, it feels like. When you're even thinking about a Drew Brees who's done it forever. When you talk about a Big Ben or even a Phillip Rivers who's done it forever. Peyton Manning. Right. Now, when we talk talent-wise, absolutely. His arm talent, 
his mobility. These are all things that are very unique to him. But for me, I thought that was premature. But like you said, if you're feeling right now him healthy, all things considered, I can't argue with that. Mahomes at two, I like that because I still think that he needs to do it again. Mm-hmm. He has a small sample right, size. Right. Small sample you size. believe in him, but you right. want to see him do it again. Brady at three. I personally would have had him at one, but. I know you would have because that's your boy. <laughs> it's not my boy. I just respect greatness. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Anytime they're calling you the GOAT while you're still playing, that's a whole another level of respect. And then what about the Rivers and Ben that's and Russ and Breeze? So, so for me, at four, I see you had Rivers. Yep. I Rivers have, four, Ben five, yeah. Russ six, Breeze so seven. So for me, I would have had Breeze at four. Okay. I would have had Ben at five, and I had Rivers at six. Okay. That's just. And then do you have Russell Wilson at, at seven? seven? Yes. Okay. So for me, you have Russell at six. I have him at seven just because I have Breeze bumping okay. into that top Same guys, five. just in right. a different order, and we both had Ben at the same spot. Right. And then, so for your back end, you're so, eight, so nine, now, and ten. So this is where we, we differ a lot. Okay. Too. So I like Wentz at eight. I personally would have rather had. Deshaun Watson at eight. Okay. But I think that Wentz has had more success. Okay. And that's kind of why I weighed that option. You had Matt Ryan at nine. Matt will never be on my list. I had Deshaun (laughs) Watson at nine. You had Matt Ryan at 19. (laughs) And then for my 10th spot, I went to the money man. I said, you know what? He just became the, what, highest guaranteed amount quarterback signing. And even with golf, I understand that uh, Sean McVay – is the brains behind that operation. Sure. He's the one that tells him the coverages and where to go with the ball and things like that. But what you cannot discredit from golf is his touch. He throws a beautiful pass. He, he does. places these passes exactly where they need to be. There was a reason he was a first overall pick. Absolutely. So when I think about that, Wes, I could tell you, hey, we're they're in, you know, quarters coverage they're playing cover four to the front side cover two on the back side i want you to pump the front way to get that safety to come over there and i want you to hit that back side uh that back receiver streaking up the sideline i can tell you that right now i still gotta do it you still gotta do it yeah and ultimately golf he puts the ball in those particular places he executes the assignments and that's the thing that i love about him and why they paid him what they paid him that's just for me i have met Tim because at the end of the day these other quarterbacks they do it by themselves from a mental standpoint pre-snap, whereas he has, you know, an extra helper on the test. He still has to take the test, but he has a guy in the background saying, hey, look, it's multiple choice, but... He's got the teacher's assistant helping him right, right. over his sh- It was like you in college, you know, oh, the big football know? star. You got the TA yeah, over I, your I shoulder. That was, hey, wait, Moats, question 14 is actually C. Right. I, I wish it was like that. Unfortunately, I was a political <laughs> science major, and, and I did that for that reason right there, to make sure that... I never had to be discredited. And every question and test I took was essay form. There you you go. cannot cheat on essay there form, my go. friend. <laughs> Moats mentioned there, Jared Goff, a nice payday for him, a nice payday for Ezekiel Elliott as well, too. We will get into that when we return. Some resetting of the markets there for quarterbacks and running backs. And also, speaking of running backs, one who used to be here in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. was talking about the Steelers a little bit, and another guy who used to be here in Pittsburgh is making some waves today as well. He probably too. wishes he was in Pittsburgh right now because they don't find you like that in Pittsburgh. Just throwing it out there. We'll get into all that as we wrap up the show. Your reaction as well on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52 The Body. It's Steelers Blitz. It's the Electric Factory. It's Euler and Moats on SNL. 
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. At the end of the first hour of the show and into the second hour a little bit, Arthur Motes and I had a discussion about some prove-it guys. Sean Davis, Javon Hargrave, Bud Dupree, Artie Burns amongst them. Guys who are in their contract years who uh, could possibly not be with the Steelers next year, who are kind of singing for their supper in a way. Right. And in that conversation, we led about how is there ever any resentment there for your current team and how all those things play out. Well, there is a former Steeler, Arthur Motes, Uh who appears is harboring some resentment. Nothing crazy. Just a little bit. But like we talked about, wants to prove the Steelers wrong, wants to show you should have held on to me, you should have put faith in me, you should have given You had a good thing, girl. should have given me what I wanted. Yeah. And that is former running back Lev Bell. And I will say to his credit, he has endured himself to Steeler Nation much better in the last six months or so than a former wide receiver. Absolutely. (laughs) But Lev Bell yesterday, maybe using the Steelers a little bit for motivation here, he says, I think I'm going to show everybody. I'm going to show people that, look, Pittsburgh had something special and they let it go. That's what I'm going to go out there and do. I mean, dang, Arthur Motes, those Pittsburgh Steelers, they tried to make Lev Bell the highest paid running back in football. How dare they let that guy go? man. Whatever he needs to use his motivation to get him ready to go behind that Jets offensive line, more power to him. It's hard to say that the Steelers just let him go because, like you said, they they, made, they made every effort. And Would have made it, him the highest paid running back in football yes. at the time. They offered him more money than he ended up signing with with the Jets. Right. It's just the guaranteed money aspect was his big sticking point. Right. And – I see both sides of it. I understand from the organizational standpoint that, hey, if you sign that deal, they're not releasing you within the first two to three years of that. Without a doubt, you're good. But the player side is if it's not in writing, then it doesn't count. If it's not guaranteed, then it doesn't exist. And that's the other side of it. And then obviously people talk about the $14 million that he walked away from. But for him, that is not how he viewed it. So that's why I'm like, you know what? If you want to hold it and make it that they let you go and this and that, so be it. But everybody else that looks over it sees it as they offers you a ton of money, numerous years now, and you decided to walk away and take your talents to New York. Yeah. Or New Jersey, whichever. It was technically New Jersey. Technically New Jersey. You're technically right. New East Jersey. Rutherford, New Jersey. Right. Uh, Not and, all places. <laughs> and – I think, too, a lot of this, from his own standpoint, was he kind of wanted to be the guy to reset the market for running backs. Yeah. But Todd Gurley and another guy we're going to talk about here in a minute, Zeke Elliott, have done that to an even greater extent than Absolutely. he did. I just, hey, listen, I get it. Everyone's, they've got their own different motivations. Right. And I think, like I said, I think in the future going forward, there won't be many hard feelings between Lev Bell and the Steelers. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, man. Like, I feel like Lev Bell will be back here one day, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know. Standing ovation, right, popping circumstance. And, and not even necessarily like a, a, a standing ovation, we love you, but he's not going to get booed. Right. Like, it, I know the Steelers go to New York this year, right. so it's not like he's coming to Heinz Field. Correct. But let's say that situation was flip-flopped. Yeah. I don't think it's just massive booze every time he gets the ball. Right. Be a, you'll hear a little bit, obviously, but, but no it wouldn't way. be anything like if Antonio Brown right. came back to Pittsburgh and Absolutely. touched the ball. And I think that goes also with the way he ended up leaving for Le'Veon and his responses in direct response to him leaving. Yes. 
he handled it way better than AB. He was more mature about it. He understood that, hey, the business side is the business side. It's no hard feelings. I still have respect. These are still my friends, this and that. He kept quiet. Uh, he had a couple times where he said right. some things, but for the most part, he kept relatively quiet. Absolutely, which was a great thing to do, especially when he had numerous opportunities to fire shots back last season when media was getting on and when some of his former teammates made comments about him. He could have easily leached. I mean, he could have easily, you know, sure. reacted to that and said stuff back, but he kept quiet the whole time. Whereas A.B., he was the opposite of that. A.B. didn't even allow people the opportunity to say negative things about him. He went on the offensive and attacked people. So you're saying Lev was smart not to go on his Instagram and call out a bunch of people. You mean to tell me that Lev was smart to not have his emotions on the Internet? Is that what you're saying? Keep your emotions off the Internet? Yeah, I think, I think Lev was, was smart to do that. Yeah, one guy who's not doing that is A.B. In fact, he's taking his emotions and he's laying them right on the doorstep of his current team. Man, oh man. Mike Mayock, general manager of the Raiders. You might remember him as the guy who was put out there on all the Raiders' social media <laughs> accounts saying we need A.B. to be all in right now. Well, when you sign a contract, you uh -huh. know this, there's certain things that if you don't show up for, if you're unexcused. Oh, like showing up to work. Like showing up to work. Oh, okay. Imagine right. that. When, okay. you know, when you have a job, when you have a contract, you're supposed to show up to work. And, you know, in the National Football League, when you're getting paid a lot of money to show up to work, uh -huh. there are fines instituted for being oh, late, okay. for not showing up. They, well, you know, that's a part of the non-guarantees. No more non-guarantees. Right. If you don't show up to work, there is no more non-guarantee that you probably won't get fined. In fact, you will get fined. Right. And, hey, this is not just NFL players. No, my, no, dad, no. my dad's in the Pittsburgh Symphony. Yes. If he's late to a rehearsal or a concert, he gets docked a couple hundred bucks. Well, you probably get fined if you don't show up to work, too, Well, man. I wouldn't get fined. I'd just get fired. Different well, F-words you were looking for man. there. But. Well, you know, you still lose money nonetheless. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, Mike Mayock sent Antonio Brown a letter. Official. You know, Fine talking letter. about how you weren't here on this day, you weren't here on this day. According to the collective bargaining agreement, you're being fined this much, you're being fined for missing these training kits. Over $50,000 in fines in total. A letter from Mike Mayock to Antonio Brown. It seems like something that should probably be kept relatively uh, quiet or just between the two parties involved. If you play long enough, you might have one of those letters come to you. You definitely don't post it on social media. Well, Antonio Brown posted it on social media, and he tagged the Raiders in it, saying, when your own team wants to hate, but there's no stopping me now. The devil is a lie. Everyone's got to pay this year, so we clear. Uh, well, it's everyone got to pay this year. What does that mean? Does that mean that, that you and me have to pay these fines, Well, technically, too? he has to pay because he, he didn't show up to work, so he has to pay that fine. Um, I think it's just one of those things. He's in his own world right now, man. It's he unfortunate is. that it's come to this and that we've seen. It really is, man. Just in a span of a year, it get on this level. But I think now that he's outside of the Steelers organization and he's the new guy over there, you get exposed to everything else. When you're here in Pittsburgh, the coach staff protected you. The front office protected you. They didn't find you for every little thing. They didn't find you when you were late. They didn't find you if you were to miss something. Now that you're over with the Raiders and they don't have. You're the new kid on the block. Right. They don't have that type of relationship with you. You haven't come up and, and made it as a six-rounder into the player that you are today in that organization. You're there and they have expectations for you and they have their mindset of how they operate. Here in Pittsburgh, it was a little more laissez-faire, a little more laid back. Over there, that's not the approach.
They don't have any Burt Lawton over there to hold everything together. Absolutely. So for them, they're publicly letting you know. And when you try to publicly go back at them, do you think it's going to be any better the next time you're late, the next time you miss something? Right. When you just tag them and try to essentially put them on public display, now their front office is going to have to answer these questions. It's like if you get in trouble for talking in class. Right. Your response is to talk more in class or right. try and talk. No, no, no. Or, 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 or go and put on social media that, hey, I got in trouble for talking in class today. Right. And you at this school. Right. Like, you tag your teacher in the post. Like, that's not the best way to go about it. And it's unfortunate, like I said, that he's taking this approach because he's a very talented individual. One of the best wide receivers we've ever seen. And and you just don't want to see a player continue down this path because then you start getting the labels on you. And before you know it, you're out the league. And it's less about the talent, but more about the headache, similar to a Terrell Owens or similar to a Chad Johnson or Ocho Cinco, whichever he wants to go by right now. Mr. Big Chest? Yeah, man. It's it's unfortunate, man. I hope that – this fine at least lets him understand that it's going to be different over there, and he wakes up and gets back in order and gets back in line. But the one thing I realize in this league, you don't last long if you keep trying to go against the the the, the higher ups. Yeah, the yeah. owners are the owners for a reason. Exactly. <laughs> well, while Antonio Brown might be surrendering some money, there's a couple guys who are gaining Whew, some big bank. Uh, Jared Goff, not official yet, but it was reported by Adam Schefter last night. So, I mean, if Schefter's reporting it, $134 million contract extension, four-year contract extension. NFL record. $110 million guaranteed. And then, of course. That's better than your boy Wentz, huh? That is better than, than sure, I'll give my boy whatever. Yeah, fine. If, yeah. if Brady's your boy, I'd rather have Wentz as my boy. At least I think Steelers fans side with me on that one. Oh, man. And, I'm sure they would rather have Brady as their quarterback than Wentz, though. This year, and the <laughs> and the and the Cowboys uh, and Zeke Elliott in the longest running saga of the offseason, six year, ninety million dollar contact contract extension, NFL record, million guaranteed. That's a record Highest for a running back, running back ever. ever. Sorry, Tard Gurley, your one year in the spotlight oh, it lasted exactly that one year. Arthur Motes, Ezekiel Elliott, a running back, locked up until twenty twenty seven. That's a long time. It is, but when you think about Because the six-year contract extension goes on top of his two-year deal currently. Eight years from now, yeah. I mean, geez, eight years from now, Zeke will still be a cowboy. What do we be doing? Whew. Eight years from now, you'll probably be on, you know, something with Bob Costas or one of these big-time TV radio dudes, and I'll just be over here holding your coattail. I, I could have kids eight years from now, mostly. Gee, are you going to name one after me? Maybe. All right, middle name. Works. Middle name. Oh, okay, that works. That's cool. That's cool. My <laughs> own son doesn't have my first name. I just got he got my middle name, so it's all good. Well, you man. know what I'm gonna do is first name don't cross, second oh. name the moats or middle name the moats. You're a real one for that. Don't, <laughs> don't cross, cross the moats, Euler. Euler. <laughs> and add an extra e in there too, man. I just like how I spell it that way. Uh, quickly here, we only got a couple minutes left. This Zeke contract extension, good for the Cowboys this year. Correct. But they're going to have some tough personnel decisions to make going forward, right? Namely, in Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. I don't think it's a tough decision. You signed the one you needed to sign next is Amari Cooper. I, I, let I'm me stop. You. I understand that Dak Prescott is the quarterback. I personally don't think that – and clearly the Cowboys don't think that he's the reason why they're successful. Right. I think they understand that Zeke – is the first part, and then Amari Cooper is the second part. And maybe even that defense is a, is a bigger part than Dak as well, too. Yes, indeed. So all of those things factor into it. I don't anticipate Dak signing a 
record-breaking deal in terms of bigger than golf because traditionally how it works is whoever the next guy, the breaks next guy signs and yep. breaks that record. I don't anticipate that happening in this situation with Jared Goff, though. I know that Dak has been one of the guys who wants to get more than a Carson Wentz, per se. Right. But I think that's where a lot of people differ in their value of Dak. No doubt. Dak turned down 30, says he wants $40 million. If you are – the Cowboys, right? You are rooting, I think, for Goff and Wentz to have huge years this year. Absolutely. So that you could come back to Dak next year and say, all right, well, look at those numbers. Yeah, those two got that money, but look but at the numbers they did. They deserved put it. Look what they did. Right. I, I think the Eagles, as is, is, is weird as that works for the Cowboys now to have to root for Carson Wentz to have right, success. Right. Like, you get what I'm saying there. Like, Absolutely. If both of those guys go out, Wentz and Goff, and just have average seasons, mm-hmm. then Dak's going to be able to sit there and pound the table and say, well, I deserve that money too. I had the same season as those guys. It's uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting dynamic to watch Without a doubt, going man. forward there in Dallas. And when, when, when Grandpa Jerry's involved, it's always interesting, right? Hey, man, Jerry gets it done, man. Arthur Motes, we are now less than 30 hours away. Whew. From the National Football League kicking off. Are you excited? I'm pumped, man. Do you smell football in the air? I cannot wait Thursday morning to wake up, go out on my back porch, and scream, Go away, baseball! Ha! I totally agree with you on that. <laughs> Tomorrow on the show, more Steelers-Patriots talk. When is the end of the line for the Patriots? Because, hey, I mean, 40 years from now, at least I don't think Tom Brady's still going to be winning Super Bowls. I could be wrong. But we'll talk about that tomorrow as get into some matchup stuff as well, too. Our guy Brian Batko will join us as it is a Batko Thursday. It's also a three-question Thursday tomorrow as well. Thanks to everybody who tweeted the show. Thanks to our guy Brian for producing everything back at HQ. We will talk to you tomorrow on the start of the NFL 100 season and another day close to Steelers Patriots, as always, at high noon right here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio. Your 24-7 home of the black and gold. This is Stephon Toit of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're listening to Steeler Nation Radio. Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards.